0: We don't properly understand or appreciate how difficult it is to play tight end in the NFL. So today we're going to learn better. We're going to talk to former NFL tight end Clay Harbor about playing tight end in the NFL, but also what that looks like for Cole Kmet, Robert Tanyan, and how they fit in the Bears offense this season. You are locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we especially appreciate our everydayers tuning in five days a week for your daily Bears fix. We've got a real special treat for you today. We we'll joined by Clay Harbor, former tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jacksonville Jaguars, among other teams. And he not only knows the tight end position through and through, but he's a Chicago guy. Covers the Chicago Bears, He's a great follow on Twitter at Clayharbs82, and a guy that's just a, a good person. I met him a few times at different events and really excited to have him on the podcast today to preview this Bears tight end position. It's our tight end training camp preview of sorts, but we're going to talk more broadly about the position, about Cole Komet, his value to the Bears versus his value as a expiring contract and negotiating a potential new contract for him in the grand scheme of the position in the NFL, and why we're both particularly excited about Robert Tanyan in this Bears offense, and I think not enough people are talking about the value he's going to add as well, and I can't talk enough about the value Clay Harbor added to our conversation here, so let's jump right in. All right, joining us now on the Lockdown Bears podcast is Clay Harbor. He's a former NFL tight end, bounced around with a few different teams, had some nice stints in Jacksonville and Philadelphia, but a good seven seasons in the league, Clay. Thank you so much for taking some time with us today. I guess first of all, I-, I wanted to get your perspective on the tight end position here, and what kind of responsibilities that position just in general holds. Because I was like, I think of it as like something that people on the outside don't fully understand, like how much is on a tight end's plate when you have to be kind of like a wide receiver and an offensive lineman at the same time. Like, like what 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 kind of conversations happen? in those tight end rooms, like how, how much information in an offense is, is on your plate at that spot?
1: Oh man, it's a lot. But firstly, Lauren, you, you cut me, you cut me down of a year, Did eight I? years, eight active seasons. You said seven, it's fine. But uh, you know, as far as, you know, pension goes I want to make sure that, you know, the NFL doesn't hear this and say, Hey, this guy only has seven, but it's eight, but uh no tight end position has really been a position that has changed and developed over the years. Back in the day, think about it they were just an extension of the offensive tackle that's what they were they were guys that were just put out there in the run game that could catch a five-yard route and basically just be an extension of the offensive tackle then you look at you go back if i'm a historian of the position you know you look at guys like shannon sharp was a was a game changer um, you look back at Kellen Winslow, senior, not junior. Senior, not junior. I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. No, <laughs> Kellen Winslow, senior. Like those guys were the guys that really changed the game. Ozzie Newsome. If you go back all the way to Mike Dick, I didn't change the game because I mean, there's a lot of game after him that were just blocking tight ends. But that's what led up to the tight end position to what it is now. It is a very tough position to play today because the different types of things you're supposed to do tight end can play fullback, tight end can play in the slot now. Now you got a tight end playing outside. Now you got a you got a tight end that's doing the move stuff, the H back stuff. You got to know all the positions. You got to be able to pass block, run block. So obviously I'm a little biased, but I think it's one of the hardest positions on the field, obviously outside of quarterback and cornerback. But the tight end position has evolved so much that it's very difficult position to play just because you have to be very intelligent and then you have to be able to do a lot of different things, such as blocking, catching the football, running routes, all that good stuff.
0: It's also seemed like it's a difficult position to come into the league and excel at quickly. It seems like at, that's one of the spots that we see players kind of take the longest to really, you know, break out and establish themselves. Even, even like the premier top players usually take at least a good year. I mean, Kyle Pitts was kind of an exception his first season in Atlanta, but yeah. he's also a very exceptional player in a lot of different ways yeah. and more of a wide receiver, but like for the most part, it takes guys a year or two or three to really reach more of that full potential as opposed to like a lot of the rest of the league. Now we have these like immediate expectations of like quarterback has to come in and be good as a rookie. Why, why does it take longer for tight ends? Even, even the ones that end up being really, really good to, to really set, kind of settle into that. Like, what does it take or why does it take more time for that position in particular?
1: I feel like it's the same with offensive linemen, and that's because uh, as a receiver, it's like coming into basketball right away. It's not a developmental thing. It's, you know, physically, you know, some of these guys can just use their athleticism outside the receiver's position. As an offensive lineman, as a tight end, you have, first off, you have to be able to learn an offense. You're coming in, you're getting drafted, you know, you're getting thrown right into OTAs, you're going to training camp, you got to learn the offense. You got to figure out, hey, this is an NFL offense, this is hard to learn. Now you have to know a lot of different positions. Offensive coordinator probably wants to move you around a lot. You're not going to be an in-line in, in line, wide tight end most of the time. It's hard to learn that stuff on the line, the blockings, the run blockings, the pass blocking, the protection, all the diff, different idiosyncrasy that goes along with the position. And then it's just a physical thing like offensive linemen. And you're physically going against these athletes. On a day-to-day basis, maybe you see one or two during a season in college that are great athletes, NFL-caliber guys, tight ends. Physically, now you're blocking these guys that are defensive ends. In the NFL, these are the college all-stars, the best of the best. Now you're blocking them every single week. So it just takes time to figure out your technique. For me, it's like, yo, I could go into a college game. Obviously, I was an FCS guy, but didn't have to worry about technique. I was just bigger, stronger, and faster. I come to the NFL. Now I got, I'm got i with Philip Eagles, fourth-round draft pick, playing against DeMarcus Ware you have to have proper technique you know brian arakpo you have to have proper technique so it takes a while to not only learn the offense which is more difficult you know an andy reed offense it's been around for 15 20 years got all these different plays learn that then you have to worry about your technique so there's a lot of different things involved in the in the in the game for a tight end because it's a run game and the pass game you can't just put them out there like a cornerback a safety a wide receiver Give them the ball like a running back. You have to learn and you have to develop physically. How jarring was
0: that for you going from Missouri State to the NFL? I mean, I, I, know, I imagine you knew it would be a pretty big jump in, in competition, but like <laughs> yeah. did, did it exceed your expectations? Like, what, or, or were you prepared
1: for the
0: likes of DeMarcus Ware and Brian Arakbo?
1: You know, that's why I was so impressed with what Braxton Jones was able to do last year as an FCS guy. You know, I went to Missouri State, right? I, I played against the FCS competition. And just seeing what he was able to do going against that competition week in and week out to now playing as a starting left tackle in the NFL is truly amazing. The biggest difference for me personally was just the speed of the game. I know you've heard it once to hear it again, but it's everything happens a lot faster. The huddle happens faster. You're getting these terms thrown at you. It takes a little bit longer to learn. But at the end of my career, I, I felt like I could just I could pick up an offense like that. The first couple of years, it was like I was swimming. I was thinking too much. It's hard to go from that level where you basically you can line up there and you can win based off of your physical tools to now in the NFL. You gotta know the plays. You got to know the checks. Your techniques gotta be right. And for Braxton Jones to go from southern Utah to a full-time starter. And at an NFL level coming from FCS is just it. I don't think people realize how special that is. One thing that troubled me a little bit was just something as simple as a snap count, right? In FCS. I mean, there's 10,000 people at the game. You can wave. You can see your mom, your grandma, your dad, <laughs> you know, is at the game. It's not loud. You are using a snap count on every play. Green eight, green eight, set hot, you know, whatever one on two on three, you go to the NFL level. If you're in an away game, you are using a silent count. You know, the, the team's going to have, you're not going to be able to hear, especially out there at tackle at tight end. So now you have to be able to look at the center and you're going off the center's head movement and those those split seconds, those, it's so different. It's a tight end and college is always the first one off the ball. Now half your games, you have to look for a silent count. Now I'm looking inside, I'm trying to see the, the, center, the center move so you're laid off the snap. If you're laid off the snap in the NFL, the play is already over. So just stuff like that, the the small things that some people don't realize that makes it more difficult to play at this level, it's something you got to learn. And for me, it took a couple of years to really pick up all those idiosyncrasies and be able to translate that onto the football field. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing is the speed, the, the snap count, obviously the coverage, the verbiage. There's just so much more things involved in the playbook in, in, at this level this
0: episode of locked on bears is brought to you by our friends at ebay motors and they've teamed up with locked on fantasy football host vinnie Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long whether you're prepping for your draft right now or certainly during the season scouting the waiver wire every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster So with draft prep underway for this upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. If you're looking to make a smooth turn in your fantasy football snake drafts, maybe you have the last pick of the first round and the first pick in the second round, you'll be guaranteed to have a winning one-two punch of workhorse power in your backfield when we're taking the Colts' Jonathan Taylor and the Browns' Nick Chubb back-to-back. While Taylor is a perfect rebound candidate in a more run-friendly offense in Indianapolis, Chubb is also set up to dominate with more of the combined workload in Cleveland. Our guy Vinny over at Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And the same thing goes for your vehicle. With eBay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. We're talking air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay guaranteed fit, everything in your vehicle is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your car, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another part of the transition that I was curious about was not as much the transition from from college to the NFL, but when you transition from team to team, and I I can't help but feel like there's a valuable experience here when you hit a from the Eagles to the Jaguars, yeah. like at the end of pre- at the end of the preseason to start with a new team week one, having not been with them through training camp or through any of the offseason up to that <laughs> point yeah. and have to learn everything on the fly. But also when you change like in season from, from the Patriots to the Lions. And I, it makes me think of a, a a Chase Claypool, for example, getting thrown in. Yeah. It's like, all right, you're on a new team. You haven't been here at all in this offseason. Here's the offense. We're playing on Sunday. Good luck. Get out yeah. there. How how difficult is that? Especially I think early in your career, I think you guys were about the same age, I think around that 25, 26 year old, when you end up going through that transition, like, was that long enough for you to start to learn some of those intricacies to be able to pick it up quicker? Or or when, when does that become an easier
1: transition? Luckily for me, it was later when I went from, say, when I went from New England to Detroit, I was a veteran. It was later in my career. I was able to pick up offenses on the fly, but early in your career, when maybe you haven't got your routine down specifically you're not you're not sure exactly the best way for you to retain things maybe you're, you're not as focused as you should be early in your career it's a little more difficult so i played three years get drafted to philly play three seasons 2010 2011 2012 as the number two tight end for the Philadelphia eagles 2013 14 comes around chip kelly comes in moves me to linebacker doesn't work out Moves me to receiver doesn't work out Then I get released in the final preseason game. So now you got a week to pick up the offense. Once you get picked up, I get picked up by the Jaguars and waiver wires. They're the number one team in the waiver wires. It goes from the worst team has the first pick in waivers, best team has the last pick. I get picked up by the Jaguars. During that week, Mercedes Lewis tears his calf. He's out. I just got signed. They were going to bring me up. So now they go, Clay, you're you're starting. I go, all right, this is great. Now I'm playing against my coach from the last season Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So you just have to you have to cram like you're in college, you know, you're procrastinating for a test and and you just study, you study, study, figure out you know, you know your best way to learn and and you got to typically you get a small package, right? You're going to okay, these are the 10 plays we're going to use you on, but if you get thrown into a to a team and you're a starter, you got to kind of pick up the offense as a whole. So it's a different deal. If you're coming in and you're just trying to get a small package. All right, here's your 10 plays. Just know what you're doing here. A little bit, a little bit easier. If you're coming in nowadays, they want you to be ready to play the whole offense. It takes a little bit more time. It can be done, but it just takes a lot more effort. It's very difficult for young players to do that. And I remember for me going back, the first play of the game, the first play of that season, the 20 for Andy Reed's first game with the chiefs, my first game with the, with the Jaguars, I caught a 12 to 15 yard out route. And I remember thinking like, wow, a week ago, I was on the Eagles. Now I'm catching a pass against my old coach. Life comes at you fast. The NFL comes at you fast. So that's a difficult thing to do for a lot of players. Chase Claypool, you know, I thought he could have done a better job of, of picking up the offense. After a couple of weeks, three weeks, you should you should have a general idea. He's been in the league for a couple of years. You should have a general idea to be, a, be able to go out there and play fast. I think offseason helps some guys. Some guys pick it up faster. Some guys don't. So I'm really excited for him for this year, because if you're playing slow, if you're thinking that really affects you as a player, and this year he's going to be playing fast, he's going to know the offense, he's going to have more confidence in the offense, so I think he will have a big bounce back year. And then to, to answer your question, midseason, you go from one team, I get cut from the, from the Patriots after week five. The next day, I sign with the Detroit Lions, and I'm playing on Sunday. So it's, it's difficult. You, you know, I, I was a guy that could learn fast. I mean, I could pull up quotes from, from um, Jim Caldwell, Clay Harbors, the brightest player I've ever, ever coached in terms of learning an offense. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, Lauren, but it was something I could do. And it's hard for a lot of guys. And for the guys that can't do it that quickly it affects them a lot. So I'm excited for Chase Claypool. I think he's going to have a big year. It was tough for the Bears when they picked up all those guys off of waivers last year. Hopefully this year, we only get one or two. I know we're going to have the first position in waiver wires, but you don't want that many new faces coming in right before the season. So I think this year will be a different story. I think Chase Claypool will be better. And you know I think it'll be, even though we have the number one position in waiver wires, I think we only pick up two to three guys this year. How much do you think
0: injuries set Chase Claypool back in particular with, during that transition when, you know, you're coming to a new team and you want to be on the field for as many reps as possible, but then misses some time. Like, I, I guess, like, how much of the time that he needed, like, is he still getting enough, like, time when, it, when he's injured, like, just because he's still in the playbook and has more time to still be studying and learning off the field? Or, like, does, or in, in that critical, like, initial time with that team, do you really feel like you need to have the practice reps even more so than just the actual time to go through the, the playbook?
1: You know, different players, it matters for different players differently. I was a guy that I needed to go through it. I needed to be on the field. I needed to be doing it after I learned it to really have it set in. Some guys, some guys, some of the veteran players, like they they can just go through the reps mentally. They can be in the meetings, they can learn the stuff, and they can do it that way. As a young guy, Chase Claypool, I think he did miss some valuable time. Back in the day, there was OT you had about 20 OTAs. Now it's down to 10. There was just OTA after OTA back in the day. You didn't even count them. You just knew you are going to be OTAs from this date to OTAs. You're finishing OTAs with the mandatory minicamp. Didn't even count them. Now there's only 10. You need to be healthy and on the field for all those 10. It's only 10, especially if you're coming to a new team. But if he's a guy that can learn mentally and take those snaps into training camp, training camp is obviously the most important. So he's still got a good time here. You, you know, you see the guys, J- Justin Fields and Mooney, the guys training in the offseason together. So they got some good throwing sessions there. <clears throat> but training camp's gonna be really important for Claypool because he missed that. He's gonna have to show that, hey, he knows the offense first and foremost. And now you got a bunch of new guys. You know, Claypool's gonna move in and out. Obviously, you got Mooney that plays slot, plays outside. DJ Moore, you know, he's more of an outside guy, but can play slot. So I think you're going to you're gonna have to see a lot of interchanging there between Z, X, F, you know, however you classify your receivers. Obviously, Z and X is universal, but then F, there's the U, there's the H, who knows how different teams, different offenses classify them in different ways. But regardless, you're going to see a lot of interchangeable guys, and that's what I'm so excited about this year with this offense. Robert Tunyon, he can play F, he can play X, Z. Cole Komet will be inside, outside. You're gonna see Claypool inside, outside. You're gonna see DJ Moore inside, outside. So now, once you break the huddle, the defense doesn't know. If you're in a man-to-man situation, you're gonna to have to show it right away. When you have a tight end lined up out wide, if the linebacker's out with him, it's man-to-man. If it's a safety out with him, it's man-to-man. If it's a cornerback out with him, it's probably zone. You know that's why Tom Brady in every play. You watch Tom Brady, every play he has a motion. Every single play, he wants a motion with a running back or tight end. That's going to show if it's man or zone. That's half the battle, right there. Then you have to decipher: okay, are these disguising cover three. Is it is it a man-to-man look? when cover one. Uh, you know, is it two buzz? Is it, is it two man? Is it? There's a lot of different zones, but if you can use these players interchangeable, use motion, line them up in different positions, these teams aren't going to be able. to They're going to show you right away a man or zone, and that's going to have, help Justin Fields because you have different reads, obviously on man-to-man plays and zone plays. So all in all, I think it's going to be great if these guys, you guys got the whole extra year in the system. Now you can start using motions and instead of doing basic math, now you can start doing algebra, you can start doing trigonometry and you can start really progressing this offense. Yeah, I want to get into a few of those players in particular. Uh, Let's start with Cole Komet.
0: I'm curious where you view him sort of on on the grand spectrum of tight ends in the NFL. He's been someone who I I think is a little bit enigmatic in that way, where it's like, you know, he hasn't necessarily been in super productive offenses. So like not all the box score numbers are going to be a great reflection of what Cole Komet is and isn't able to do. But, you know, he's also I don't think anyone's pretending that he's, you know, Travis Kelsey either. So how do you sort of of put him on the spectrum of, of NFL tight ends?
1: I'm a big Cole Komet fan, you know, but I'm realistic with what he can do and what he can't do. But I think he's great after the catch. I mean, you look at him last year statistically. He uh, he averaged 5.9 yards after the catch, which was sixth in the NFL per per catch. He was uh he was he had a 99 pass rating which targeted which was which was top ten, which was ninth, I believe. And he had the most run blocking snaps of any tight end in the NFL with 457. And he was, uh, he he had the the sixth best run blocking grade among all tight ends. And he's also a solid receiver and a blocker. First and foremost, the way this offense is set up, you need a tight end that can block front side. If you have a guy like, say, Evan Ingram, Travis Kelsey, as your your, your tight end with this offense, it's not going to work. You're going to have to sift them backside on blocks. You're going to have to use them as a cutoff blocker. You're going to have to arc release them to the safety and figure out ways to get linemen on defensive ends. Cole Komet's a guy that can block defensive ends, and that's impressive. He's not crushing them. He's not moving them. He is holding his own, but that is tough to do as a tight end in this league. So for this offense, he's extremely valuable just off the fact that he can block these guys. He can stay front side. They can run the zone front side with Komet. They don't have to put him in the backside cutoff. They don't have to sift him across the line. They don't have to arc release him. He's a guy that's tough enough. He's big enough to do that, Okay. And then secondly, in the passing game, he's a big target that can run. He's not, like you said, he's not Travis Kelsey. He's not going to win a ton of man to man routes by, you know, running some crazy route and getting wide open, but he's a big body. You can just put him on him and he can catch a ball. I think that's where Tunyon comes in. Tunyon's a guy that's a little bit different, right? He's a former quarterback in college that turned to wide receiver, that in the NFL turned to tight end. So he's got a different skill set than commit and I think they're going to work well together but just specifically with commit if I had to put a number on it Lauren I would say he's he's probably top 12 top 10 t- tight end I mean all around the guy can do so many things I mean he, I love the way that he blocks not a lot of tight ends even get asked to block the front side of plays he does he can do it well he he did a good just seven touchdowns last year red zone threat he's not gonna be the big game breaking guy but this guy is big I walked in the field last year in training camp, and I'm just walking around, you know, talk. I turn around, that's Cole Komet. This this dude looks like the guy off of uh, Happy Gilmore. I believe that's (laughs) Mr. Gilmore's jacket. You know, this guy is big. He's 6'6", 270. This guy's a monster, dude. Like He's like the size of Gronk. Like People don't realize how big Komet actually is. He's a big dude, and that helps when you're trying to – you have a young quarterback that that at man-to-man, you can put the ball on a guy – when when you're blocking, I mean, it's hard to block as a small guy. So I love Komet, and I also like Tunyon. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I agree 100. Like the value to him
0: in this, for him in this offense, is is so strong. And yet, like I look at the tight, like the highest paid tight ends, Of course, like Evan Ingram just gets the new deal for this just this past mm-hmm. week. But like you know, it's Darren Waller. George Kittle certainly a good blocker, but a lot of these guys oh, tend to be box. the like the the longer, leaner receiving types. They're you know, yeah. Waller, Kelsey, Goddard, uh, Ingram you know, at, the, at the top of the actual market. And it, it, the blockers don't get paid. Not that Kolkomet is just a blocker, but like yeah. players aren't getting paid for their blocking. And, and I, I wonder if there's potential for I don't want to say like a disconnect there, but if Kolkomet's saying like, listen, I'm I'm really valuable for this offense. I'm a really good blocker. I'm an effective receiver. And the Bears go like, yes, but you know, mm-hmm. you know the big the the Well-rounded tight ends don't get paid as much unless you're George Kittle, who's really kind of the unicorn there. So I don't know. Do you foresee a value discrepancy there and just like he's valuable to the bears, but is he less valuable, like in the tight end market than comparatively?
1: Yeah. I think he is more valuable to the bears because a lot of these, a lot of these offenses don't use tight ends like that. I mean, like, but there's only so many guys that can do both things at a, at a decent rate. Like you said, George Kittle, I mean, this guy's a freak because Kittle I mean, look at his combine numbers. This Guy ran a four or five flat. He jumped an 11 foot broad jump, like 40 inch vertical. I mean, and he's blocking people like that. He's that fast. He's that good in the run game. Like this guy, I mean, George Kittle's a freak. Those George Kittle numbers remind me of your combine numbers though. Yeah. back. I, hey, back in the day, yeah, I, I was. I did have a nice combine, yeah. Lauren. Uh, 40, 40 inch vertical, 10 plus broad jump, uh, 30 reps on the yeah, bench. the bench press. reps. Those are the ones Low I remember four six, that. Yeah. But uh, four or five at my pro day. Um, you know, taking a stroll down memory lane, <laughs> but I definitely think there's a disconnect there because commit probably sees his value as something more, but the blockers don't get paid. They don't get paid as much as the receiving guys. It's a numbers game. And then you bring in Robert Tunyon this year. They brought in Tunyon for a reason. When Luke Getsey was the passing game coordinator at green Bay, that's when Tunyon had that 11 touchdown year, Tunyon, they, Luke Getze probably wanted Tunyon pretty bad. You'd look at Tunyon. He had 52 receptions on 59 targets that year in 2020 before he got hurt. And he had he had the number one passer rating when targeted in the NFL. Higher than Travis Kelsey, higher than Dallas Goddard, higher than Mark Andrews, higher than TJ Hawkins. And he he had the number one passer rating when tar, targeted at 149. It was dang near a, a perfect passer rating when targeted. Obviously, he had Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but Tunyon is going to get some looks. People got to realize that in some of these plays, you're going to have two tight end sets. They're both going to be split out. But a lot of time, Komet's going to be attached and Tunyon's going to be split out. If two of them, if one of them is running around, it's going to be Tunyon. So Komet might have just as good as a year, might have a great year, but he's going to be splitting some of these numbers. You look at the way they use the offense when, when Luke he was the pass game coordinator in Green Bay with Mercedes Lewis and Tunyon, when they were both playing well, Mercedes Lewis had some had some numbers in the receiving game. He was the blocker; Tunyon was a receiver. I think there's going to be some of that this year, and some people might see at the end of the year, Komet has 500 yards again, you know, five, seven touchdowns. Maybe it's down year. No, it's a solid year. But Tunyon also has 500 yards and a couple, three, four touchdowns. So. So Komet still had a good year. He probably blocked well, but maybe his numbers got split up a little bit because he was asked to do different things because of the players the Bears have now on that roster. Yeah, I think Tanyan is a
0: player that we're not talking about enough collectively in the in the Chicago media and certainly among the fan base of like how much I think Luke Getz should be excited for this because I remember like at the start of last season. They tried to run a lot of two tight end sets with Cole Clement and like Ryan Griffin. Ryan and like, Griffin, you know. No disrespect to Ryan Griffin, but yeah. <laughs> like Robert Tanyan is a little bit of a step up there, plus the familiarity with, with Luke Getzey, like that offers such a more of a threat that you're going to have to then get, if you got both those tight ends in, you're going to get minimum seven guys in the box, if not eight or nine. So then it, it's going to be fewer guys deep to kind of cover the two receivers in the field. Plus, you know, those guys are going to struggle to keep up with, with Tanyan and, and Komet and yeah. it's going to be slower players in the box for fields to outrun. Like it just, it seems like that, I mean, as much as DJ Moore deserves all the attention for sure, like that's the bigger move. It, it feels like Tanya has the potential to unlock another, another layer of this offense that I don't think people are talking enough
1: about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I might be a little bit biased, Lauren, but you know, I think that two tight end sets are are very helpful, especially for a young quarterback, because you're going, you're going to get base defense in your base defense. You know, you're not going to see a lot of the crazy looks that you could see in, in nickel and a lot of different things. You put their base out there a little bit slower group. So if Tunyon can, if Tunyon can, Require a base defense. Some tight ends like Tunyon, they'll still play their their nickel to him because they're like, hey, this guy's just a big receiver. We're gonna split him out. I think Tunyon blocks well enough to where he will see a good amount of base defense. So if you get that base defense, it'll water things down a little bit, make things easier to see, and then he's a matchup problem. You put a tight end, you put a tight end on a linebacker, tight end like Tunyon on a linebacker. He's going to be able to use his speed to get open, and then you put a safety on him, maybe a safety, he can use his size. Tunyon, if he's healthy, if he's back to being 100%, this guy's a weapon in, in in the pass game. He's He can run routes. He's got great hands. I mean, you look at his drop rate the past few years. The guy doesn't drop passes. He's one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets, and I think that Tunyon is a guy that can run. He can catch. I mean, he was a Missouri Valley product. I mean, we know I love Missouri Valley guys. I went to Missouri State. He went to Indiana State. Former wide receiver. I love former wide receivers at tight ends because these guys know how to run routes, okay? Nothing against the, the big, bulky tight ends like Komet, but Kmet will does not run as crisp routes as Tunyon does. You know, Komets a lot bigger. He's a big, you know, Gronk-style route runner. You know, is just gonna. He's kind of a a big dude that can still move, but it's not running the crazy. Tunyon runs routes. Tunyon can get open against man-to-man, and he does a good job with that. So I think that just opens up so many things. You can put him in the backfield. You can split him out. Komet can actually play slot too. He can play in the backfield. He's a little bit too big for for a lot of fullback work, but I think it's gonna open up a lot of things offensively. (laughs) Like you said, DJ Moore, the sexy signing, but I think Tunyon is a guy that's going to pay some dividends down the road. And I'm a, I, I, liked Ryan Griffin and James O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy didn't make the team for whatever reason. I think he was hurt or something. But I was pretty disappointed with how Ryan Griffin played last year. I had played with him in the past. I uh, you know I thought I thought he was going to be able to be a guy that the Bears could lean on, and obviously it didn't happen. So big upgrade this year in the tight end room with Tunyon.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised uh, pleasantly that Robert Tyne didn't end up following Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets but he was able to come to the Bears and pleasantly surprised too that Clay hasn't Clay Harbor has not been a, you know, primarily an Eagles or a Jaguars analyst on Twitter but you're breaking down the Chicago Bears. We're so happy to have you around this team and around this organization and and giving fans the the insights for your playing career. Really appreciate you making some time for us. Let everybody know where they can follow you on Twitter and what kind of stuff they can expect from you.
1: Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at CleoHarbs82. Uh, you know, you'll know, you see a lot of uh, pre-post-game analysts with the Bears. I just did a hit on NBC uh, Sports yesterday. I'm uh, working with CBS Sports today. We're doing a segment there, uh, 670 to score. I uh, host there often, so I'll be all over the place. I work for 33rd team, Mike Tannenbaum's media company, do hits there. But you'll find all that on my Twitter, Clay Harb's 82 let's go bears. Excellent. Clay. Thanks so much for joining (laughs) us. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks Lauren.
0: Thanks again to Clay Harbor for joining us on the podcast today. How great was he? That was so much fun talking with him. I learned a lot about the tight end position about Cole Komet and this bears offense. I hope you did too. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That's your team every day. On Monday, we'll wrap up our Bears training camp previews here. We'll finally get back to the quarterback position where most people end up starting. We went in kind of reverse order intentionally there just to mix things up. We'll look at Justin Fields, P.J. Walker, the chance for a number three quarterback battle with Tyson Bajent and and Nathan Peterman as well. A lot to get through there. And then before you know it, Bears players will be back at training camp. It's a really exciting time. Looking forward for real football action coming back our way. I hope you're excited for it too. And I hope listening to the Lockdown Bears gives you each and every day that next opportunity to bear down.